we're in a spiritual fight. That's what I've been sharing on weekends as of late. Um, But there is far more to this discussion than just what can be covered in sermons. So that's the discussion we're having today. I got a special guest. This is the Jacob Sheriff Podcast. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Thank you once again for joining us for this episode. My name is Josh, and today I am joined by Hannah. Jacob and a special guest, Pastor Zach Backus, is with us from uh, from our Durant campus. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We wanted to to have Pastor Zach join us for this discussion today. We're talking uh, spiritual fight, spiritual warfare, um, things uh, things that sometimes um, maybe causes a different reaction out of different <laughs> people depending on um, where they come from. But this. Uh, like you said, pa- Pastor Jacob is one of the topics that you've been sharing on the weekends recently, and Zach, you've gotten a chance to uh, speak into this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we really just kind of, we don't have a ton of recording time, so we're going to skip the icebreaker section and just kind of get right into the conversation. Um, what uh, What is spiritual warfare? Let's just start at sort of that, yeah. that base level, and then just let, let the conversation go, because there's a lot to be mined out around this topic. Yeah, so this is kind of supplemental conversation we were having uh, on top of what uh, I've shared on the weekend. Zach has jumped in on the series, and then and he's recorded uh, some videos for Disciple School, and we've recorded some together, and so it's like, this just seems to be a really big subject that deserves as many different angles and perspectives as possible. And what I've wanted to do, at least from the weekend perspective, is to sort of demystify, de-weird uh, it, because I just, I hear a lot of different perspectives of spiritual warfare. And if you, if your only context of spiritual warfare is sort of Hollywood version mm-hmm. where everything's exaggerated or it's an, in, it's an intentional um uh, horror genre, mm-hmm. um, then like you were just, we're, you're gonna, you're gonna miss it. Or if your only exposure is like late 90s charismatic church, it, you're not gonna catch everything, uh, how big a deal this is and how important it is to, to know what it means to be in a spiritual fight and what it means to win that spiritual fight. Uh, and so I'm preaching message on it. Zach's got some preaching on it. We have discussions. There's so much to this that the big thing is just get it out of the weird. There are weird stuff because, well, we're dealing with a world that isn't our with our five physical senses. But um, it doesn't necessarily mean Jericho marches around properties and buildings and stuff. Right. Um, that's the kind of stuff that comes to my mind when I think spiritual warfare is what a lot of the kind of 90s version charismatic expression was. And I'm not saying that those weren't powerful experiences in some ways as a kid, mostly we just experience it and just think this is just weird. And I've talked to a lot of people, not from our church that was in kind of charismatic upbringing. And it was that kind of weird Mm -hmm. all the time. And so I just, I just want to get out of that. That's we're in a spiritual fight. There's a real enemy, the devil, the flesh, the world. And uh, we have been given equipment tools by the Holy spirit to, to fight and win that, that battle. And that's what this discussion is. Awesome. Well, pastor Zach, since you are the guest, uh, on the, on the episode today, um, what has been stirring in your heart around this topic? Um, let's just kind of start there. What has God been showing you? I know you've been having multiple conversations and this topic seems to be in the air right now. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what has the Lord been showing you 
on uh, on spiritual warfare? Well, first of all, excited to be with everybody today. Uh, definitely love getting to live life and do ministry. Uh, my wife, Serena, and I, alongside Pastor Jacob and Pastor Hannah and the rest of the team. And I like you too, Josh. You're a really oh, cool guy. Thank <laughs> you. Appreciate that. that makes and, me feel good. And as always, my uh, longtime friend, Danny Mackey's over here in the corner. Uh, she's, she's, producer, she's a great Danny producer, Mackey. Danny Mackey. Uh, <laughs> she's a real source of support and encouragement in my life because she uh, relates to me as a true sister in the Lord and picks on me and uh, keeps me <laughs> humble. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, spiritual warfare. I, you know, I, I think that um, Pastor Jacob talking about some of those extreme examples um, and saying that, you know, the weirdness that's associated with that. Um, and I totally agree um, that the fight that we're in, even though it's an invisible one, uh, doesn't mean that it's a, it's a fantasy. And some people engage in spiritual warfare from the concept of like relating to something from a fantastical perspective mm-hmm. instead of from the reality of the spiritual entities, forces in our lives. Obviously, the series that uh, Jacob and I have been doing together uh, here at the Durant Campus of Victor Life is really based out of this Ephesians 6 passage, right? Uh, Ephesians 6.10 from Paul, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And even though that language can sound uh, like a fantasy or like some sort of, uh, you know, uh, fiction from a fiction-based novel, uh, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, that sounds something like we would, mm-hmm. you know, read about <laughs> in uh, in some work of fiction. Or sounds like the name of a, of a uh, turn of the millennium, a Christian metal band or something. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Enemies of the unseen world. Enemies of the unseen world. That's right. <laughs> and I think that uh, the same way that we have to bring, um, when we talk about Jesus and who Jesus is, uh, emphasis, of course, around his divinity and being fully God, but uh, to connect people's hearts to the Lord, we also have to talk about the Lord and his humanity mm-hmm. and that connection that we have uh, to the divine through the through the human nature of Christ um, I think we have to bring that type of legitimization to uh, those spiritual entities that we're at war with because the nature of the spirit realm in general is that it's always seeking an avenue by which it can materialize itself. Which right. has been one of my favorite phrases you have. I really appreciate that phrase. Yeah, it's That's very really, clarifying, I it's think. It's good. Yeah, I totally ripped that off from Erwin McManus. So <laughs> thank good. you, Pastor Erwin. <laughs> uh, That's a really great phrase that you gave me. Um, but... Uh, that that to me is really where the rubber meets the road for spiritual warfare. Uh, once you come into the reality and, and, and the belief that there are spirits of darkness, unseen spiritual forces that are trying to act upon humanity for sinister purposes, uh, then you understand that their primary pathway that they uh, release their agenda into the world is through human hosts. And even talking this way can seem <laughs> weird to people. Um But when you see that, you start to look at some of the greatest acts of human evil uh, and whether that's in a very up close and personal sense, uh, if you grew up in an extremely abusive home environment or have lived in an extremely toxic romantic relationship, 
Um, you look at evils that people propagate on people from that level all the way up to things uh, like uh, Jacob shared on Sunday with uh, Adolf Hitler. And you see that the same way that it's supernatural for believers in Christ to literally lay down their lives for their enemies mm-hmm. with a selfless kind of love and to materialize the fruit of the spirit um, and the gifts of the spirit, it takes equal supernatural intervention for humanity to propagate atrocity on each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you see that, you see that the spiritual warfare where the rubber meets the road is what, when we talk about what inspires human thought and behavior, just the word spirit in general, if we look at it in the Hebrew and in the Greek, in the Hebrew it's ruach, in the Greek it's pneuma. Uh, it literally means it means wind or breath. And when we think about even what we're doing right now and literally forcing breath and air from our pneumatic cavities, our lungs, up through our vocal cords to produce sound, this sound that's happening in the room right now is totally able to be heard even if I was on the other side of a curtain or a veil and that, that my voice is able to be uh, understood there, there is that spirit. There is that breath. There is those whispers, those whispers. There are those whispers that are being released in the world today that because of the way that God has created human beings with this remarkable and at times uh, definitely stubborn uh, device that we call a brain, which is really mm-hmm. just like a big radio transmitter. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're picking up electronic invisible impulses through our body continually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and our brain, I think is made to pick up, uh, those invisible wavelengths, if you will. I don't think it's a coincidence that our enemy, the devil's called the prince of the power of the air. Yeah. Uh, and the things that we're able to be heard, we're spiritual beings, whether we know it or not. And we speak a spiritual language, whether we know it or not. And our minds are designed in a way to pick up spiritual impulses. This is why you have so much talk even within uh, the new age movement and, uh, and a lot of things that are coming back to the, the forefront now in different parts of our country and of our world on things like chakras and mm-hmm. crystals and vibrations. There's, there's this, even that term that people are having spiritual experiences and picking up vibrations. It's, it's your body is an instrument that's made to pick up spiritual vibrations yeah. and they find language for it. And, Unfortunately, some of the the new age movement and different different types of of uh, psychic experiences and witchcraft and all those kinds of things are real because they're of a particular type of spirit. And in an attempt to not make spiritual warfare weird, some churches don't talk about it at all. Yeah. And what happens is is that people fall into devices of the enemy mm-hmm. the, ignorantly just because they haven't been taught. So while none of this is weird, it's very real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for us to talk soberly about it and reasonably about it so that people can actually engage in the legitimacy of it so that they can win the fight of spiritual warfare. So once you come into the 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 understanding that all this stuff is real, then what should trigger your thinking is then what are all the implications? Right. When I'm when I'm tempted to uh, turn away from my my spouse because they've said something to offend me. If I believe that I have a real enemy whose whose mission is to kill, steal, and destroy, and if my marriage is the chief tool that the scripture says that's supposed to reveal the love and compassion of Jesus and the church to the world, the ministry of marriage, 
And if I believe that the devil is my adversary, then I look at every opportunity to have offense come in my heart towards my spouse or to see a breakdown in the relationship, not just as, you know, our chemistry's out of whack or we haven't spent enough time together. I have to believe that in a Christian marriage and what that represents, that there is an adversary that wishes to hurt that Christian witness Mm -hmm. through the relationship that I have with my wife that models the relationship of Christ in the church to the world. And that in that, those whispers that I hear, those suspicions, those accusations that I hear that she doesn't respect me or she doesn't value me and she speaks to me that way or spoke to me that way in a moment because she really doesn't have love and compassion or heart towards me. Those things are spiritual Mm -hmm. and spiritual warfare where the rubber meets the road is what you do when you hear that voice. Do you partner with that spirit? Do you partner? Because we're all of us are daily being inspired through the means of a particular spirit. Mm -hmm. And that word inspire literally means to put breath into Mm -hmm. all of us are under the inspiration at times, even as Christians full of the Holy Spirit, we can give place in a moment to be under the inspiration of the enemy, under the inspiration of something dark and sinister. And the primary pathway that the devil uh, uses to infiltrate our minds is through the art of deception, through lies. It's the spirit of truth, spirit of God leads us into all truth, and it's the spirit of the enemy that leads us into all error. Mm -hmm. And if that error is me changing the way that I view my spouse through offense, if that error is... Uh, me doing damaging uh, behaviors to my body, no matter what might be, mm-hmm. all the way up to if that spirit of error is leading me now in a place of hatred and a total uh, sociopathic lack, lack of empathy to commit genocide, that spirit doesn't matter mm-hmm. as long as it can materialize the way it wants to through a human host, a human being. So for us, our chief weaponry is to be filled with the spirit of love mm-hmm. and the spirit of Christ and to manifest that spirit continually. And when we do that, we're so full of God that we give no place to the enemy. You know, Jesus talks about casting demons out of people and saying that if you get a demon to come out of somebody and it's going to go to waterless regions. And when it comes back, if it seems, sees the house is swept clean and empty, it'll be bring seven of its buddies and be worse than before. I think that when I talk about being so full of God that we don't give room to the enemy, that that's what I mean. Right. Is that the enemy doesn't have access to engage us in an area that we're choosing to live full of the love of God, the life of God and the, and the power of the spirit. So spiritual warfare for me taking a long time to answer your question because I'm a preacher (laughs) is simply choosing every day to be a part of the resistance. And it's the resistance to the devil And the book of James tells us that we have to submit to God to be able to resist the devil. And we do that, he'll flee from us. So submitting to God means staying full of God, staying full of the Holy Spirit, be being filled with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we give no place to to the enemy. So we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered what's at the root of homelessness? I used to try to describe it to my husband that um, I said, I feel like I'm in this big spider web and I'm stuck in there. And how wraparound approaches at missions aim to make a difference? It's the things like that. The people who communicated that in spite of my rough edges, that they authentically cared about me. On the Restorers podcast, we'll talk to experts, investigate current issues, share stories, and give you an inside look at how we at Water Street Mission tackle issues related to homelessness and poverty every single day. Join us by searching Restorers wherever you find your podcasts. 
So there was a, a few things that you said that that stuck out to me uh, for sure. Like you mentioned that the primary strategy of the devil is to traffic in lies and deception. Um, even, you know, r- sort of stating the baseline for us to, to have an understanding of this is to, you have to first believe that this stuff is real. Mm-hmm. Like our culture, um, especially, you know, in the last few hundred years has really embraced a very materialistic, naturalistic worldview that anything that, doesn't fit into that is just superstition is just, mm-hmm. you know, um, psychobabble or, or, or whatever. And even that deception is a way that Satan has been able to, uh, leverage that as an open door because people don't, they don't take him as a serious threat. They think, Oh, well, that's just, you know, weirdness or that's just, you know, somebody being crazy or his mental health issues or, or, or whatever. They dismiss it as, mm-hmm. as not, uh, and so by, by not recognizing it as a threat, as it is the threat that it is, um, they're more likely to, to fall prey to it. And it's like, you know, you don't, um, you don't realize the danger of something like, say like a mosquito bite, right? Like we're, we get them around here and it's like, okay, ah, that's irritating. It itches and it, it goes away. But like in certain countries, bugs like that carry diseases yeah. mm-hmm. that can kill you. Yeah. Like right. there's a level of, we have to recognize the threat for us to even be aware of, of how we need to, you know, combat it. And like, um, you know, uh, what is it? A uh, Sun Tzu's art of war, like know your enemy is like one of the, the, the primary principles or strategies that you have. You have to know what the strategies are. So I thought know, that was green day. The uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it could have <laughs> been, could have been. Um, so Hannah, you, you know, hearing them, um, both talk through this and I know you've been able to, to listen uh, to the messages and stuff as well, but mm-hmm. how y- you engage in this um, as a mom, as, as a wife, like you're, you're very um, just from me knowing you as my sister, like you've always been very sensitive to the Holy spirit mm-hmm. and to observing sort of what's going on. And um, how do you cultivate that awareness and that discernment to uh, recognize truth from lies? I think we've, we've talked about uh, this topic kind of, in little mm-hmm. bits and pieces so far this season, but yeah, what, what sort of things have you learned? Um, you know, I feel like growing up, um, I'm very uh, fortunate that my mom really made this real to us, meaning um, it didn't seem as intimidating because I mean, she introduced this to us, um, both of my parents, but mm-hmm. really this essence of this invisible fight and, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, all these things. So I think that that really influenced being able to know how to walk and and practicing discernment and knowing how to discern truth from lies and those sorts of things. So how that looks now and what, I don't know what that looks like is as a mom and all those things. um, I think it goes back to even some of the other podcasts we've done about desires and and walking in obedience and trust and, and all of that because um, I think that it's very easy. I mean, I, I've heard this quote. I was trying to remember it as you were asking me um, that the most dangerous battle to be in is one you don't know you're in. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's like good. that that's really hits the nose on the head with this is we can say it's not real, but then we're, we've put ourselves in a real dangerous position. Right. And I know for me personally, 
coming out of a couple of years ago, walking through one of the hardest battles I know I've walked through, had I had that mindset and I, um, it would have totally defeated me, mm. you know? And so it's not to be afraid, but it's actually to know how to be equipped to walk out battles. And, and the way I look at it, even with my kids or in, in anybody that I would talk to is, do, does it, is what the circumstances do they, are they coming to still kill and destroy? Then that's the, the work of the enemy. And then on the opposite of that is their peace in life, you know? And so, um, being someone that has, um, experienced and walked in this, um, and, and more of a feeler, we've already talked about <laughs> that, um, and young feeling a lot of great things, but then also feeling a lot of not great things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that all of those things have to be put in perspective. Otherwise you can live really defeated feeling like there is no power to overcome mm. this invisible thing. So, um, I don't know. Those are just some of my thoughts around it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, um, what it seems there's this pretty wide spectrum that you'd, you'd brought up there's for, you know, for a few hundred years post enlightenment, mostly have what would be a modern worldview, uh, uh, like a materialism mm-hmm. that, that there's only what we see and can discern or ascertain with our five physical senses and right. logic as the highest value. That's kind of our inheritance of the last couple of years, a couple hundred years. Um, postmodern uh, kind of has a very open ended. Well, you know, any truth is there is no real absolute right. truth. And uh, you get to, you get to answer the phone. Oh, sorry. It's my phone. My bad, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, Distraction. Uh, you get um, kind of continuing down that vein all the way into kind of the new age, a recognition, okay, there is something beyond the mm. material world. Um, and uh, kind of the uh, the new age, We that's probably the best category for all of that, um, is is hyper into that. And, and it's it's, it's because it's real, but it's just the dark version in the kind of the sixties, you had a lot more of the drug movement is what was unlocking that for people is that drugs were, were tapping into that level of consciousness that was tapping into a spirit world. It's just through a back door and Mm -hmm. it's a very dangerous back door. Um, if you try to go through the back door to the spiritual world, you're only going to the dark. Um, there's no back door to the light. It's a dark alley to the back door. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, but like Christians have to be able to stand, but there's a Christian materialism that, uh, that resists anything of the supernatural, um, resists anything of the, uh, anything to do with, with that realm. And, uh, you know, scripture is principle, it's truth, it's logic, it's reason. And there's a version of, Christianity that's very much into the spiritual, but isn't grounded with any kind of truth, right. any kind of reason. And uh, the, the tension we live in pastorally and personally is how to navigate what is true and what is real, but staying grounded in the truth and in the power of the Holy Spirit yeah. that, you know, just because most spiritual warfare is the thoughts that come into our mind doesn't mean there isn't real spiritual warfare of, of intercession and uh, claiming God's promises being enacted in this world in a real way, or just because 
the vast majority majority of demonic expression is through uh, humans that just partner with the spirit. There are exceptions and plenty of times where people really are demon possessed. And so just even in an attempt to demystify spiritual warfare, isn't a discount that there are some real, real deep, dark spiritual things. Um, and the, that's the challenge we live in is to not really be in either ditch, but to be able to communicate the truth um, and, and the truth that. We'll be right back. Are you driven by a desire to create change? Dive into From Passion to Purpose, where we unlock the stories of nonprofit trailblazers. Get inspired as leaders share invaluable tips and transformative tales that empower you to make a lasting impact in your community. Tune in and ignite your passion into purpose today. We stand in Jesus and that gives us victory. That gives us the ability, the, the armor of God gives us the capacity to stand against the schemes and strategies of the devil. Um, but I'm I pastorally, I'm trying to address the vast majority, which is the simple little um, line of deception. It's, it's yeah. how, because you partner, we can, we can unwittingly partner with the wrong spirit part of what was originating even this topic is Hannah and I were received a phone call about a longtime friend, um, from a long time ago, um, in sexual perversion. And it was just heartbreaking. And I think the, the thought I was having about that is I don't think that's primarily sexual perversion. I think that's how it's being expressed. Yeah. I think, I think there's a broken heart that, uh, the, the unholy spirit, some spiritual darkness tapped in and latched on in that space, that open space of a broken heart. And this person partnered with that spirit long enough that now it's finding its expression in sexual perversion. But I think most people, even in sexual perversion, it didn't begin that way. It didn't begin with sexual perversion. It, it came from a disordered desire. It came from a brokenness that made that person vulnerable to an attack of the enemy and they didn't recognize the deception. They weren't in community. They didn't have accountability. They had a broken heart. And the only people that were there in that broken heart yeah. um, was people under the influence of deception and lies. Yeah. And it led that person in that lines. And I see that time and time again as a pastor uh, is that what we see manifested, like let's say sexual perversion that's a, that's a soapbox that the church gets on mm. um, about sexual perversion and resisting sexual perversion and being a stands for morality and sexual perversion. But man, there's plenty of exceptions, but, but there's plenty of people who they're not in sexual perversion because they were sexually perverted. They're in sexual perversion because it started in a completely different kind of lie that they believe, yeah. believed about their identity, believed in the midst of a, a broken heart Um it just, it's sad to see that. And that's yep. where people are not our problem there. We're not wrestling with people we're wrestling with, with spiritual darkness. When we talk about uh, the Ephesians six passage that I read a little while ago uh, in the new living, it says, you know, put on all of God's armor. So you'll be able to stand against all strategies of the devil. The devil isn't creative. He doesn't mm -hmm. have an imaginative bone in his body. Yeah. Um, what he does is he studies humans 
and he studies and he studies the activity of the Holy Spirit in and through humans, mm-hmm. and he see, simply takes that and defaces it. He mm-hmm. he takes that and he uh, inverts it and twists it and perverts it. Literal mm-hmm. to pervert something is to compromise the integrity of its original design mm-hmm. uh, to get it to operate in a way that it wasn't inti- originally intended to do. Yeah. So the devil's strategy is always three three parts. Uh, he always seeks to get human beings to question their identity so that he can confuse their thoughts and then ultimately control their behavior. Mm. Um, any behavior that's manifest in your life uh, exists in thought form before it exists manifesting through okay. you. Yeah. Um, and as you talk about even sexual perversion and things like that, it all comes from a... Um, not just a question around identity, but a question of your identity. Mm -hmm. And we see this, Matthew chapter four, uh, the devil's uh, tempting Christ, the temptation of Christ. And Matthew three, Jesus is baptized in water. Holy Spirit comes upon him. And the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then in Matthew four, he's led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted of the devil. And the very first thing after a 40 day fast of food um, that the enemy tempts him with is turning stones to bread. But he starts off by saying, if you're the son of God, prove it, do this. Um, His temptation of Christ is the same pattern of his temptations of all humans, which is to first get them to, to question their identity. Who are you really? Mm -hmm. Uh, Who have your, if you've grown up in a Christian household, there's that place of uh, maturity during teenage years that's simultaneously working with rebellion. And you come Mm -hmm. into a formation of your own thoughts and opinions. Your parents' political views aren't just your political views by default anymore. Mm -hmm. We talk about this pastorally all the time. You know, at some point in time, a child's faith has to become their faith, not Mm -hmm. just their parents' faith. And that's true for everything. But it's during that time that you often see a ramp up in a lot of those existential questions. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things chemically that are going on in the body. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of physical maturation that's happening and the devil's observed human behavior for thousands of years, and he knows the weak points of mm-hmm. development for a human being. Uh, when human beings are the most vulnerable in infancy, that's why we see the things that we do with abortion and, and infanticide for thousands of years. Um, his mission, like Hannah said, is to kill, steal, and destroy. And ultimately, he his lust is for is for blood, actual blood, to see to see humanity killed, tortured, mm-hmm. uh, all those different kinds of things. So we talk about his strategy and how we're able to combat those devices and even connecting it, what you asked earlier about parenthood, so much of, of good spiritual warfare is based on, uh, is based on how, how you practice, mm. uh, how you practice that, you know, those, those, uh, okay, corral showdowns with the devil may or may not come. Mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion that very few Christians actually deal with the actual devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got bigger fish to fry, um, most of the time we're dealing with, with the henchmen, we're dealing with the, with the underlings, the, the demonic spirits, and we're definitely dealing with the world, uh, misconstrued and, uh, and perverted thought systems and value systems and propaganda. And then we're always dealing with our flesh uh, and the lustful desires that are in our flesh. But within that, when we can really bring an exposure to the enemy around his strategy uh, from a, um, you know, friend relationships, from parenting to pastoring people, 
when we find that the, the kind of the initial target for the enemy is to get people to question their identity from a parental perspective, that's where we can in, in, in invest the bulk of our parenting into our children is to establish identity. Yeah. The father establishes Christ's identity before he begins his ministry by saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm fully convinced that that's one of the primary uh, reasons why Jesus could uh, ignore and deflect that yeah. remark from the devil of, if you're the son of yeah. God, prove it. Mm-hmm. It's essentially what he's saying. Didn't have to prove anything because mm-hmm. his father already was pleased. And what Jacob's talking about, when people have hurt, when people don't feel that fatherly and motherly affirmation in their lives, when they're seeking validation, mm-hmm. acceptance, um, the same way that there's open doors for angelic activity and for the activity of the spirit, when people are hurt, when they're confused, when they're misled and they're at a weak moment, God loves to heal the brokenhearted yeah. um, and, 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 to, and to sure up those places that were weak. But the enemy, like a predator yeah. that grooms its victims, yeah. masquerades mm-hmm. as an angel of light and comes in a time when people are vulnerable through hurt, heartache, uh, developmental cycles in their life and seeks to befriend mm. The, the, the devil never seeks to torment before he seeks to befriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't care if you think he's Casper the friendly ghost as long as you keep company with him. That's good. Um, and a lot of people, and I'm glad that Jacob brought it up because demonic possession is real. I've cast a ton of demons out of people, and those were not fake. Those <laughs> that was it was not it was not fantasy. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times, as I'm talking to them, there is a reference point that they remember this presence that's kind of always been with them. And there's been a few times that they have said, it's kind of hard for me to think about parting ways with that because it's kind of always been there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that it's necessarily good, but it came to me in a time of my life when I was hurt. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it gave them strength. It helped them be angry to intimidate uh, and to defend themselves that way. If they were in abusive systems or or relationships or whatever. Um, And there is a fellowship that people have ignorantly um, with demonic forces through that same way that we see in the natural uh, a a child predator groom his victim or her victim uh, for a length of time to establish trust, to establish mm-hmm. rapport. Uh, the enemy will feed you candy all day uh, to get you yeah. to the place that you'll finally take the one that's got the, you know, hypodermic needle embedded in it or yeah. whatever, you know, we'll right. try to yeah. throw some shade at Halloween while we're on here. But <laughs> anyway, um, those, those kinds of things. Yeah. And that's important to know the devil and his henchmen do not yeah. appear uh, initially mm-hmm. as, you know, this grotesque figure or the pitchforks and the red tail, <laughs> it's all about deception. It's all about smoke and mirrors. It's all about, um, the helping, helping you, helping you feel powerful, mm. helping you capitalize on the strength that's on the inside of you. There's so much of self-help and self-help guru, gurus that are most the most satanic people in the world. Absolutely. And they have no idea. They think they're legitimately helping people. But yeah. actual Satanism, there, there's two branches. One is the actual worship of Satan as some kind of deity. But that's not the most yeah. wide known and embraced one. 
The other branch of Satanism is more philosophical and it Mm -hmm. is Satanism and people Mm -hmm. call themselves Satanists that embrace us and it's not the deity, which is the other thing. The devil doesn't care if you believe he's real or not, Mm -hmm. as as long as you worship him. Uh, So um, that form of Satanism is philosophical and it's simply just predicated on the fact of the heart wants what the heart wants. Mm -hmm. Live your best life. Mm -hmm. Be, Be the true you. Live your truth. Uh, when you look at the majority of, of people and there's a lot of, a lot of celebrities that hold to this type of Satanism. And if they're honest about it, they'll tell you it's mostly just a mantra. It's a code. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's an ethic. It's a way to live life that says, if it feels good, I do it Mm -hmm. too much of a good thing. There's no such thing. And ultimately life is about me getting as much pleasurable possible. And as long as I don't hurt anybody Mm -hmm. in that process, it's okay. That's just as satanic as somebody doing a bloodletting ceremony or sacrificing a <laughs> yeah. goat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And those things are real. And that's the thing is the devil doesn't care which extreme you get into yeah. as long as you get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why this sobering truth of God's word is trying to take us to a place of wisdom to see that, yes, people are demon possessed and they need to be set free. And as a believer in Jesus, you've got the power and authority of the spirit. Even if you're a Christian for one day, mm-hmm. you are qualified to cast a demon out of somebody. Mm-hmm. But the same thing's also true, which is the more trickier part. And in my experience, having done mission work in various parts of the world, the American demon is the educated demon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it requires a type of unpacking and unlearning for freedom to occur mm-hmm. uh, that's different. It's different. Um, the demons in America all have manners mm-hmm. uh, and they say please and thank you. And they're usually fine with church services. Um, it's, it's, it's different. And it's because the enemy is very adaptive. He's not creative, but he's adaptive and he is evolutionary mm-hmm. because that's where that rhetoric comes from anyway. He knows how to evolve. He knows how to keep with the times, mm-hmm. but he knows that people fall for the same kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But um, that's that's kind of the process of even understanding this strategy and how we stand against it is, you know, uh, part of that warfare is is personally affirming our identity each day. Yeah. That, you know what, there is no good thing in my flesh. I'm yeah. terrible without the Lord. <laughs> yeah. But God loves me and saves me. Mm-hmm. And he's brought me into oneness, a fellowship with him. Second Corinthians says that he that's shown the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Um, and I'm thankful that that's all by his amazing grace. And there's nothing that I can do or not do to get God to love me anymore, make love yeah. me any less. And I confess that over myself. I'm safeguarding myself from the enemy. Right. And if I can impart that to my kids and the natural and spiritual kids, yeah. so much of this rests on having a, a proper understanding of who you are yeah. as a loved child of God. And then from there, paying attention to thoughts in your mind that don't line up with your identity. I don't give permission for myself to meditate on things that do not line up with my identity. If it doesn't line up with what God says who I am, it's just me picking up on a frequency throughout my day. And I just need to change the channel in Jesus name. Mm -hmm. If I don't like country music, I change the channel. Uh, So that's what I got to do. I got to focus on that. And if I do that. That is demonic. So we do have to change that channel. Depends. Uh, Right after, right after uh, Brooks and Dunn, everything after Brooks and Dunn's demonic. But before that was okay. But, um, but the thing, uh, the, the, the truth of all this is that if I will live in a place of reaffirming and receiving re- affirmation from the Lord in regards to my identity mm-hmm. and let my thought life align to that, 
I won't give place That's to right. enemy activity in my behaviors. I won't. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it, it's impossible. But when I start to question who I am and whose I am in accordance with God's truth, and I let myself begin to meditate on thoughts that are out of alignment to my identity, on hopelessness, on worry, on discouragement, on anger, on feeling the need to be vindicated, on feeling the need to to earn or deserve or impress, then my behaviors are going to follow. My behaviors always follow my thought life. Period. And uh, and that's that's the that's the unraveling of the strategy of the enemy and how we how we stand against it. It's uh, it's also so important as parents to to be aware of what voices are trying to come in and, and mm-hmm. influence our kids um, because those thoughts they don't just they're not they don't always just spontaneously come they they start as something they saw or something they heard or yeah. um, and these ideas these false ideas about identity and um, the nature of reality, this, this stuff is, it's contagious. Like a lot of it is, it's like, you can actually qualify it as a psychological contagion mm-hmm. where um, if you, and not to, to try to lump everybody's story into the same category, but it's all too common, a story of somebody who starts questioning their identity, like their gender identity or all of these things. If you look at their story and many stories that I've heard of people who have fallen into this and then, you know, miraculously kind of found, found a way out they find a community invariably it's, you know, through social media or some other kind of platform, they find some community that starts to affirm these ideas, accepts mm-hmm. them as they are, accepts them That's as good. they are. Yeah. That starts to yeah. um, change the, it starts to redefine reality. And, um, and that, that community is invariably very welcoming and loving of them when they're in that place of vulnerability and struggling and they're trying to figure themselves out and they're trying to like figure out who I got to find my truth and you know all the stuff that you're (laughs) you're talking about and then as soon as that that community uh in some of the stories I've heard of of people who have been able to come out of these these uh you know deceptions when they when they try to to they kind of come to themselves and they realize no this isn't who I am I I'm not you know, misgendered or, or whatever, um, that community that was so affirming, that was so encouraging mm-hmm. is now all of a sudden hostile yeah. because they're, they, it, for that person to be free means that it questions yeah. the, 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 the reality that they've created for themselves. And this isn't like, this isn't an assault on people or, mm-hmm. or things. This is a spiritual thing. This mm-hmm. is something where people are partnering with a spirit of deception mm-hmm. that is, is so hostile towards truth that the only way for it to feel uh, safe or affirmed is if everybody else in the world is forced to comply yeah. with this version of reality. Maybe this is a little uh, a little touchy t- talking on this topic, um, but it's so it's so indicative in this one little area of what I see all the time in our culture today is just this this chronic need to be able to shape reality according to whatever perspective or ideal that I have and that if anybody else disagrees with what I say is is truth then they're they're attacking me or they're hostile towards me and they should be resisted it's like it's so um we call that a demonic manifestation absolutely it's just (laughs) it's so it's so wrong and when you see it 
and, and just kind of unmask it for what it is. And, you know, I, I think we've mentioned it before on the podcast, like the video that came out of uh, some Disney executives basically coming out and saying what their agenda is and what yeah. they're trying to indoctrinate kids with. Like that made me angry, mm-hmm. but I wasn't angry at the people. Mm-mm. If I'm, you know, maybe yeah. in the moment I was, I was, I was like, oh man, this, this makes me mad. Well, anger is an emotion that God gives us so that we are, so it can be directed in the right way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I just partner with that anger and just get mad at, at people and just go and <laughs> lash out online or, or do like that doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. but that offended me in a way that made me angry to the point where I'm going to protect my kids. Mm-hmm. And there was like a righteous sort of like, I, this is just wrong. You cannot choose to deceive my, my kids. Um, and not just cause I disagree with your worldview, what you are doing is you're, you're, you're shaking the very foundations of reality and you're trying to make the world reshape itself around you mm-hmm. instead of like, of actually understanding what is, what is real and what's not real and having a, a basic like baseline agreement. This is true. Right. And so the world, the culture partners with these, these spirits of deception and, and, um, and identity, you know, us is under assault, all of these things that you guys are talking about. And our job as parents is to recognize that strategy and not to partner with it, but to counter it yeah. with the truth yeah. to, mm-hmm. to make sure that my kids aren't confused about who they are. They're not confused about what's right and what's wrong. They're hearing the truth so consistently and so frequently that the voice of what is not true, like it sounds off, like it sounds wrong because they're so familiar with truth. And I think a lot of times parents um, just disengage because for whatever reason they're distracted or they're, they're busy. They don't pay attention to what their kids are listening to. They don't pay attention. And the real danger with that is these ideas sneak in and before parents yeah. are even aware, yeah. like, oh, where did this come from? Where did you hear all this? Mm-hmm. Or it's socially acceptable to try to like, to be the kind of parent who just accepts everything and whatever <laughs> your child decides, that's what it is. Like this stuff is so, it, it just gets me, it gets my blood boiling because <laughs> it, it's frustrating to, to sit back and see a generation have their very identity under assault, have mm-hmm. um, their purpose as humans, their, like what God intended for them to experience and enjoy about life. That is being robbed from so many, from so many kids nowadays just to try to make some people feel better about themselves. And from, it's just- From the time anyway. a kid's born, yeah. how many hospitals in the United States doctors are now prohibited from giving the proclamation it's a boy mm-hmm. or it's a girl mm-hmm. from the time the kid's born. Yeah. The enemy is so strategic. Um, literally from the point of birth, you have the ability to have confusion in her around something so basic mm-hmm. as gender. Uh, that's the ultimate form of seeing the enemy as the true sociopath mm-hmm. that he is. Uh, sadistic, twisted, to steal that, to rob, to kill, steal, and destroy identity, even in regards to biological assignment of gender, Mm -hmm. is literally to have people born into confusion, Mm -hmm. to change reality from their first breath. Mm -hmm. Uh, The same way that in each of my, my kids, 
that I got to be there for the birth because two of my girls are adopted. I wasn't there for their birth, but my three that I was there, the very first thing I did is hold them in my arms and dedicate them to the Lord mm-hmm. and speak God's identity over them. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Literally, the enemy has an objective to cause that to be robbed, confused from the beginning. And I think, Josh, so much of Christian parenting fails in regards to equipping kids to engage in the spiritual fight. One, because Christians don't feel like they're allowed to be angry about anything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because anger is a sin. Well, scripture says actually to be angry, but don't sin. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about a spiritual fight. You can't fight unless you're angry. (laughs) (laughs) Try to fight something or everyone or anyone not angry. Mm -hmm. doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there is an anger that has to be produced. But remembering our fights, not towards people, like you said, those Disney executives that you felt that it's not towards them. It's it's the spirit behind it. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm in a moment and I've been there plenty that a demon actually starts manifesting physically through somebody and I have to take authority over it. The only thing I can tell you is in that moment, I feel like I could rip the head off a bear. Mm -hmm. There's just this Mm -hmm. anger, this boldness that comes over me. Because I'm literally seeing a bully torture somebody innocent in front of my face, you know, contort their body or choke them or hurt them or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's an anger that rises up in you to defeat that thing, to, to serve an eviction notice to that thing. And so much of Christian parenting, I feel like, you know, the, the beautiful thing Hannah's sharing that from a young age, her parents talk to her about these things is that a lot of Christian parenting that I see because of the way that the world's going, the emphasis becomes on protecting their kids mm-hmm. instead of preparing their kids. Right. And protection and, and preparation are not the same thing mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to this this subject. Two, two quick little examples here, but um, I've got so many great stories about my son, Judah. You guys know Judah. He's just a full of life and personality and <laughs> Not too long ago, we went to the movies and there was a new superhero movie that he really wanted to watch. And I did too. And I'm probably the one that initiated it. I was like, dude, we should go watch this movie. This is going to be awesome. He's like, yeah, let's go. So we go and man, I'm 15 minutes into this movie and I'm like, it's got the bad juju all over it. I mean, it's bad vibes. This is just not good. Uh, Just, I mean, overt, not even covert, witchcraft and stuff like that. And uh, when you, you know, actually cast demons out of people, you, you know, there's just some stuff that's not enjoyable to watch. Like people that are all big into horror flicks and exorcism movies. Like you just need to hang out with somebody that <laughs> cast demons out of people and you won't want to eat popcorn anymore and watch that. Mm-hmm. But um, so like, I'm, but I know in that moment, like, okay, I'm his dad and I have this responsibility uh, to make sure that, that he's okay. And, you know, he's young and, and, and all that. But I've also got this responsibility like to protect him if somebody were to come in to cause hurt to him. But I've also got this responsibility to focus on preparation over protection. Yeah. So I'm there and I just know in my heart, like Judah's going to have to make this call if we leave the movie or not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say we're going to leave. I'm just going to wait. Mm-hmm. And if something gets too scary, he's going to cover his eyes or I'll tell him to cover his eyes. Like, but I, I need him to feel this moment. Like I need him to be able to wrestle with this. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, we get about 45 minutes into the movie and my wife was taking the girls to something more age appropriate. (laughs) And uh, I step out to tell her, hey, ours is still going on. And I go back in and I come back in and Judah's got both hands over his eyes and I can tell he's just freaked out. Mm. And I sit down next to him and I say, hey, hey, buddy, um, 
are you wanting to, are you wanting to stay and keep watching this? Cause I came back in your hands are in your eyes. He's like, no dad. Like I'm, I'm glad you asked. Like, man, I think when you get out of here, this mm-hmm. is, this is like the worst of the superhero movies that I've seen. <laughs> I was like, all right, bro, let's go. And we got to talk about it in the car. I said, Judah, I'm so proud of you because I knew we needed to leave, but I needed you to know that we needed to leave. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we just got back, uh, literally, uh, from Colorado and getting to ministry at our Woodland Park campus. And we found Judah came with us and we found ourselves up on this mountain and uh, uh, this uh, this exit that we took going up the mountain to go up another part of the mountain. And there was this outdoor thing happening, food trucks. And I was like, awesome. We just stumbled on it, literally just driving around and we get outside and and uh, there's uh, live music and, and uh, man, food trucks and live music are like right up my alley. So I was like, hey, we should stay and hang out a little bit. And the whole like atmosphere just starts getting very weird, mm. uh, very strange, you know, vibes while we're up there on the mountain. And um, I uh, uh, am, am I lean over to Judah and I tell him, I said, hey, you know, and Serena's kind of giving me the face because I think sometimes I push things to the limit with her. <laughs> she's like, we need to not be here with the kids. And I'm like, OK, just wait a second. And I told you, Judah, I said, Judah. Once the band starts playing, I said, I want you to pay attention to what you feel here. Mm. And you're going to tell me tomorrow after church what the difference is between what you feel here and what you feel at church tomorrow. Mm. That's your assignment. Okay, man. He's like, okay, I got that, dad. And while I was there, I was in the food truck line. And I had this girl, she's probably, I don't know, 13 or so come up to me and she's got somebody with her. It's a little older, could be her mom, but she wasn't that much older. I think it was her sister. And she said, Hey, sorry to interrupt you, but when's your birthday? And I say, it's kind of a weird question, especially while I'm waiting in line for fish tacos. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, my birthday is December 30th. And she says, well, are you, are you a Capricorn? And I'm like, man, it's been so long since I've even thought about like, mm-hmm. is this like 1965? What's your <laughs> sign? You know, what, what's your sign? Like, I don't, I said, yeah, actually, I think I, I yeah, I think I am a yeah. Capricorn. And, and the little girl gets like giddy. And you can tell like, she's kind of fearful mm-hmm. that she even came up to ask me this. And her sister or mom says, she knew you were a Capricorn. She said, you're giving off strong Capricorn vibes. Oh, and I was wow. like, wow, really? Mm. And I was, I was so taken aback. I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of got to go on a journey of that. I'm like, what that even means? And then, and then she said, well, she's, she's psychic. Mm. And oh, they wow. just immediately turned around and walked away. And I was like, I, what just happened? Like, I've never yeah. had that happen before. And I've had some crazy stuff happen. But as they're walking away, I see the mom or the sister hug the girl and encourage her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was so awesome. And the Lord spoke to my heart right then and said, you're living in a time where, mm-hmm. where they're, when children are being celebrated to be psychic. Wow. And it's time for you to raise children that are spiritually discerning and prophetic. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. If the world's going to raise psychics, you need to raise yeah. prophets. Mm. And it just convicted me because I was yeah. like, man, when's the last time that I really encouraged you to, that wasn't in a church service, to step out and, man, do you feel somebody in the store we need to go pray for? Or do you have a word for somebody? And just that exchange, it was like the yeah. exact perversion of everything that I live for yeah. to be led by the Spirit. And it was celebrated, encouraged. And in my heart, it just, it made me sad and broke. So we get to church the next Sunday and on the drive there, Judah said, Dad, I know we haven't gone to the service yet, but I can already a- answer your question that you asked me about how it's going to feel different during worship than it did at that concert. I said, yeah, well, what's your answer? Son? He says, well, that's easy, Dad. That music on the mountain at the concert sounds good, but the music in church feels good. Mm. Mm. He said, that that's the difference. And to me, in talking about preparing our kids 
for so a world now to where, I mean, you got to have blinders on to not mm-hmm. see the spiritual fight. Yeah. It's the difference between uh, just a thing that sounds good mm-hmm. versus a thing that feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I know we can expand that out and talk about the deception and what feels good, but in that moment, you hear the heart of what he was trying to communicate. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. This is in line with what I know the presence of God to be. So my encouragement to parents is like, you just need your home and your kids saturated mm-hmm. in the presence of God. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Become so familiar with peace, become so yeah. familiar Mm-hmm. With 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 exchanging in your family the currency of heaven, that counterfeits immediately recognized. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not a big thing for Judah to be in a place or any of them. It's so funny now when they get into squabbles and one's acting, uh, you know, like a jerk to the other one, which happens because you got all little kids. Pastor Jacob and Hannah know <laughs> little kids are jerks to each other sometimes, and sometimes mm-hmm. parents are too. But anyway, um, <laughs> at least in my house, but. Um, <laughs> Um, you'll hear the, my little baby Phoenix, you know, she's three and she'll yell at one of the sisters, you don't have Jesus's love in your heart. You're letting the devil in your heart right now. And I'm like, yeah, their dad's a charismatic preacher for sure. For sure. Uh, but the principle's true. Yeah. What are you giving place to? Yeah. And we've got to have those moments for our kids to the same way. There's no junior Holy spirit. There's also no junior devil. Mm hmm. And our kids have to be able to learn warfare. And if they're going to do that, they got to learn how to discern the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. And sometimes in a protected environment, we have to let our kids experience some things just so that they can know the opposite Mm -hmm. and not fear. Like I know what's in me is so superior to what's in any of those other environments that even though you got to have discernment even on this and you don't want to see things attached to your kids and all that different kind of thing. But like, if they're there under my authority and I know that this is an opportunity for them to learn, this is an opportunity for them to be able to practice. Um, we've got to have more opportunities like that for our, for our kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I think the opposite is true is that sometimes they can become overly familiar with the things of God that they don't know there's an alternative. I just had lunch last week with a guy that uh, was one of my students here at our, at our Christian private school. And uh, man, this, this guy, like we were, you know, we, we had, we had a lot of disagreements and uh, he's going on to grad school and in English literature. And I'm so, I'm so proud of him. And he's gotten back in touch with my life. And he's just an awesome champion for Christ. And he said, man, I left my teenage years from my time with you like borderline atheist. Mm. He said, and then I stepped foot into the halls of higher ed and I said, evil actually exists. Mm. And now he is rising up to a place of being a voice that they're trying to shut him up. Mm. I mean, he gets called into the dean of students office uh, just from combating lies, just from presenting truth. And to see that, man, something is activated in our kids when they actually have to yeah. face evil. Yeah. Uh, and we can't shield them from that, but we can prepare them. And uh, yeah, so. Wow. Well, I think that is super insightful and, and full of wisdom. And so for anybody who's out there listening, raising kids, or maybe even you don't have kids, maybe you're going to have kids someday, or maybe you got grandkids, it is so critical for us to have an appetite for truth and, and to have a, uh, to cultivate that awareness of truth in our lives. And so as we kind of wrap up the discussion today, uh, man, like I said, this topic, I mean, we, I feel like we just scratched the surface, yeah. we did. Um, but we're getting 
close to, to closing time here. So, uh, Pastor Jacob or Hannah, any final thoughts on this topic before we, we wrap things up? One of my favorite verses on this is Hebrews 514 yeah. that uh, talk about our powers of discernment being trained by constant practice to discern good and evil, constant practice. Um, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but you're not really going to be trained just by being filled. You have to practice. You have to, like Zach's talking about with our kids, we have to practice that. We have to practice discerning good from evil or otherwise we're not ready for the mature things of Christ. We're not ready to step into the fullness of God's plan for us. And so part of our, our mission, part of our purpose is that um, if we're going to be a witness of Christ in this world, in this age, then we're going to have to engage in spiritual warfare just by practicing constant practice, practice the presence of the Lord. One of brother Lawrence's best lines practice the presence of the Lord. And by practicing that we can train our powers of discernment and train our children's power of discernment. And right along with that, when we're beholding his presence and then we're, we're fixated on the real, um, on the, the real thing so that the counterfeit, isn't what we're, I mean, we could be tempted by it, but we're able to, I, to see it for what it is. So it's just really good stuff. I've enjoyed listening. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed that, or even if you didn't, please let us, uh, let us know in the comments. Um, I want, I want to talk to you if you did. Yeah. Yeah. Zach (laughs) Zach will get in there and reply. If you you didn't like it. I love talking to to people that disagree. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to do. Should I, do, you, do I give them my cell phone number? Or well, I mean, we'll just, just leave the comment on YouTube or you know, right. send, it, send us an email or something and we'll find a way to, to get the, the response. In. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on the next one.